we think about this present life and we think about the world in which we live, and sometimes it becomes very difficult. Um, we're living in a day and age when it's becoming almost a temptation to wonder, should I continue to stand? And I'm not saying that we've arrived there, that we should be in that place, but sometimes it gets difficult. And uh, I think oftentimes we feel like Elijah and we think, am I the only one standing for what's right? And I think we need to keep in mind the perspective of God. And if you and I, folks, were the only individual standing, if we were the only church standing, if that were the case, which it's not, we still have an obligation to stand for what's right. And so even when we find it difficult to live in a world that seems to be anti-God, we know that. We know the Bible said that the world is going to grow more to where the spirit of Antichrist would become uh, very prevalent. Uh, We shouldn't be surprised that there is an anti-God and there, there is a mentality of anti-Christ. But where we have to be careful is that we don't remove ourselves to such an extent that we believe, okay, this doesn't apply to me because I'm of the kingdom of God. And this kind of sets the table for where we began last week when we looked in the 13th chapter of Romans because we began dealing with the idea and the biblical principle and the teaching of authority and being subject to the higher powers. And we looked last week at verse number one in depth. Matter of fact, we didn't even get out of verse one. Verse one instructed us, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And we examined in depth that To be a Christian in this world is a most difficult endeavor. Uh, We understand our obedience is to be to God first. We know that. We know that to be the case. But as we arrived at this 13th chapter, we began asking ourselves the question, who was seated upon the throne when Paul wrote this? And we looked and understood that a man by the name of Nero, who still to this day, by many opinions, is still considered to have been the most wicked ruler that's ever lived. Now you think about that. There have been many wicked rulers who've lived since Nero. And in Paul's day, Nero would have been the worst. And we could, we could go down the list of wicked rulers and wicked authorities, and we could have our own opinion on who was the worst. But what Paul doesn't do, what the Apostle Paul does not do here, is give us this idea that, number one, the church as a whole can rebel against the government or a ruler. But he does call them to an understanding of, here is what your individual responsibilities are. You have an individual responsibility to live according to these powers in which God has clearly ordained. If we believe this case, we believe the Bible, that as wicked as Nero is, in our own humanness, we say if the, if the individual ruler is wicked, then I have every right to overthrow it or to go against it. And I would tell you that's not what Paul was teaching. Now, we know throughout history there have been times and moments and nations 
We have looked at, there has been rebellions, there has been overthrowing of governments, and we could, I could open up the, the pages of historical books, and you will see pages and pages and pages of times when individuals rose up and rebelled against an established government. For us today is not to determine were they right, were they wrong? Our determination today is, are we as individual Bible-believing citizens living according to what God has told us in Romans 13? Here's what we can say about humans. We're depraved. We are corrupt. We know that throughout history, man has not always done what is right. Because man in his humanness will say, this doesn't feel right to my humanity, so I'm going to violate and go against what God's word says. Today, my concern is not about where thousands of other people or millions of other people who decided to rebel against an established government, were they right? My question to you today is, are you living in, object, in subjection to the authority in which God has placed in your life? Because what someone did thousands of years ago isn't going to matter if you and I are disobedient to Romans 13. Men will always make human errors. Paul was taken into account that there was, remember, we have this idea in our American society that everything runs around American government. And we begin throwing a lot of what we know into the text by saying something like this. Well, here's what Paul was teaching. Paul was teaching a separation of church and state. There was no such thing at that point in Rome. There was no even thought about separating the church and the state. You're talking about a church that was functioning in Rome with a mixture of believers who were Gentiles, who were Jews. Jews had their own opinion about authority. The Gentiles had their own opinion about authority. But if you think Paul was standing up in the congregation to say, my brothers and sisters, there needs to be a, a, an incorporation of church and state or there needs to be a separation of church and state, that had not yet happened. The whole fabric of a lot of government is based upon what man has taken and man has turned it into what appears to be this is the right direction to go. Paul does not even have that in mind. What he has in mind is I want you to understand that all government is ordained and sanctioned by God. And if there's a government where you are, remember that government is ordained of God. He doesn't say if you agree with that government. He doesn't say if that government treats you right. They were living under Nero, and Paul was saying, you have no right to resist what is being governed. And I don't have to remind you, Nero was executing Christians at an alarming rate. And I gave you the historical background behind that. Was One of the reasons was that the Christians in those days, the believers in those days were also being thought of inciting rebellion against the government. Now, again, what Nero did was not proper. We all agree there. But there were some of the Jewish persuasion who believed that they should resent and resist any Gentile ruler. It didn't matter who they put in. If he's a Gentile, we as a Jew, we're not going to submit to them. So Paul is not just dealing with a group of people who says, listen, we're all in agreement. Let's all grab our torches and let's all go lynch Nero. You had a, 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 a hodgepodge of people 
And he's dealing with the reality that whether you're Jew or you're Gentile, you need to keep this in mind. The powers that are, are given by God. They're ordained of God. This is not something that we are to now say, listen, we're, we're going to stand up for our church rights. Folks, I think we, we have so missed it because in our American thought process, we think everything works this way. There are countries today who know nothing. They know nothing of church and state separation. They don't even, if you go and you tell them the church is supposed to be separate from the state, they'll look at you and say, what does that even mean? There are Bible believers who were in Baptist churches in other parts of the world who there is no separation of church and state. They don't even know what it is to live that way. Now, if we view everything through the lens of what we believe Paul meant, and we do it by looking through the American lens, it is going to give you a distorted view of what the Apostle Paul was actually preaching. He is not preaching the American way of life, the British way of life, the South African way of life. He says, listen, whoever is in authority has been granted that power by God. Government is given to restrain wickedness. That's important. Government is given to restrain wickedness. As bad as you think our country is, remove a government and watch what depraved man will do with no government and no law. You realize there are people who do not commit crimes and do things today because of the restraint of the law. Yet if we're not careful, we would say, listen, it's tyranny to put us under government. No, it's God's plan to be under government and he will see who resists God and his government is in violation of Scripture. Now again, the challenge for us is the same as it was for them. In Paul's day, the challenge of the believers was how do we live by faith when we're being told to obey a man as wicked as Nero? Nero didn't stay in power. The Roman Empire fell. Tyrants have come and gone. In our American society, we, we claim or we celebrate who the best was, who the best president was, what the best time to live was. You realize every generation has had a challenge to live by this. Some of us who were not even alive in those previous years speak as if we know what it was like to live then. We have no idea what it was like to live. We only know what we have in our life, and, and we can look at Scripture, we can say, okay, listen, did Paul write this just for the Christians in Nero's day, or did he write this for Christians at every point in history? And I would say it's the latter. He didn't say, use Romans 13 if you agree with your government. He said, this is the way we're to live. And by the way, this isn't just obedience to civil authority. Remember, we said that subjection is not just obedience, it's giving honor and respect unto the office, unto, the, unto that individual, even that government that God has ordained. 
So if there is no authority except from God, that leads us to the second thing we're going to consider this morning. We looked last week at how the powers that be are ordained of God in verse 2. Let's look at verses 2 through 4. Whosoever, therefore, as as a result of what's been said in verse 1, resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, let's stop for just a moment. Whosoever would line up with the let every soul. All right. So that pretty much that includes everyone who's ever lived. Whosoever, therefore, resisteth the power, what power? The higher powers, there's no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. In other words, verse 2 is pulling this all together into a nice package and says, listen, if you are one who resists, whosoever, it's so convenient we say, if a nation or a group of people resist this, I think Paul has more in mind. If an individual resists this, he or she is resisting the power that's been ordained of God. This word resist, it is the idea of to go against what has been clearly given as a command or an instruction. So when we look at this, we see the connections between these. They that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. We'll talk about that in just a moment because that has been misinterpreted by many. And we'll look at what, what he means by that. So as we bring up this subject again of authority, look at that second expression. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. So even though we are citizens of this country, we are also citizens of heaven. But just because we're citizens of the kingdom of God does not give you and I the right to deny and reject the government and our responsibilities as citizens. Somehow we've gotten the idea that we're of God, we're not subject to all this. That's partly what's gone wrong and why things are happening the way they are is because we have decided we're of God, we're not subject to this. No, we're still subject to it. And we're to obey God as far and obey the government as far as it goes that does not require us to go against the law of God. We're not going to deal with it this week. We'll deal with it next week. But when a Christian says it is unfair to pay taxes, they are not violating your conscience towards God by making you pay taxes. There are Christians all over this country that are saying, listen, let's rebel against the tax man. You are resisting God. That's not violating a Christian principle. Even Christ himself said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, which basically he's saying there are things that belong to Caesar. They're his. I I laugh not in a funny way when I see a pastor stand up and say, we ought to revolt against the government and we ought to revolt against paying our taxes. And if you end up in prison, I say, good, you should be in prison. Because you're violating Romans 13. And you can tell me every time, you can tell me 100 different ways. Taxes are not fair. God doesn't say anything about, hey, pay, pay taxes if they're fair. He says, obey the government, obey the power that's in, a, that's in authority over you. So whosoever resists the power, notice says it resists the ordinance of God. 
So the person who resists, rebels, or sets himself against proper authority in any of these places is resisting the order and ordinance of God. Authority that is resisted when somebody is faithfully discharging that office. In other words, they're doing what that office calls them to do. If you resist against that, you bring God's judgment on yourself. And you say, well, they're doing a bad job. You know what? I think if we were to honestly examine our own life, we're all doing a bad job of being believers. Now, maybe you're not. But can you honestly say that today I am, I am living with Christ as my only, only thing I want to glory in? Are you living with Christ being the only object of your affection? You know, it's so easy for us to point and say, this person is so bad. This person is so wrong. They're so wrong in the way they live. They're so corrupted. They're so depraved. Yet we never seem to look in the mirror of God's word and say, you know what? In my own depravity, look at what I'm rebelling against God in. You know, we're so perfect when we compare ourselves to somebody else. You know, it's an amazing thing. And, and if you haven't noticed, we're, we're a very opinionated country. And those freedoms that we have, and I mentioned this to you last week, social media has created a firestorm that I think is one of the worst ideas for believers to ever get involved in, and I'm one of them. It has created this idea that we can sit behind our keyboards and just rail and just go at everything and say, all in the name of Jesus. And Christ isn't glorified in that. Christ is not glorified when you violate the Scriptures by saying, listen, hey, let's overthrow the government. What, what kind of a pastor does that? What, what kind of a says, listen, church, let's go against the government because they're wrong. And how are you Right? What's your proof text that you have the right to go against if you're not being told to violate God's word? I mentioned two very specific things last week. If you're commanded to, to the, the perfect example, to have an abortion that's a violate, you have to say no to that. If the government says, listen, we're, we want you to, we're going we're gonna, to, even as China did years ago and, and other countries have done, listen, we're going we're gonna to take uh, if you give birth to a, a, a female child, we're taking that child. Listen, you, there are things that are the violation of the principles of God. If you're commanded to murder and take the life of somebody else and you're not in authority to do that, you cannot do that. You obey God rather than men. But don't come at this by saying, listen, taxes are unfair. Um, they're going to, they're, you know, and I've told you this, there's coming a day when churches are going to lose their tax exemption status. It's coming. We're going to pay taxes. We don't pay property tax, for example, on this building and this land. There's coming a day we will. We're not going to revolt against that. And we're not going to go down to the courthouse and say, we demand our rights. Why? Because the government can do whatever they're, they're the ones in charge. And folks, can we believe it this morning that God is bigger and God will take care of those matters? We as believers have been drawn into fighting so many things that don't matter that we are missing the realities of what we're supposed to be doing. Now, if you could do both of these things and not neglect one or the other, more power to you. But there are Christians today whose whole fight, every Sunday sermon is about, let's rebel against the government. 
Man, if I was a member of that church, I'd be gone the same day. Because that's not scriptural. And for us to think that we have the right because we're just pilgrims and we, we sing about these, these joyous songs of Zion song as if we're doing God a favor. No, we're actually disobedient to God. So what we have happening here is the Apostle Paul, he's going to talk about this and we'll get to this. But men who set themselves up in defiance of God's law if they're, they're clearly defying, say, listen, we're going to deny everything that there is of God's law, then yes, we are going to resist that, but we're not going to resist those things in which are given to us to give us uh, the authority in our life. So what is it to resist authority? It's to resist a divine ordinance. What is an ordinance? An ordinance is something that has been established by God. When was that government set up? It would be an error for you to say when Adam fell. Government was already in place. God's government has always been. Some would say, well, there wasn't any government until the Ten Commandments. God's government has always been. So what we have here is we see that to resist this authority, he says, is to do what? Receive to themselves damnation. Now, we know to compare Scripture with Scripture, so what we do know that this doesn't mean is this does not say that a believer who resists this is going to suddenly lose his or her salvation and is suddenly now going to find themselves in hell when they die. What that damnation means is you are pulling upon yourself judgment for that. That, that, that idea that you resisted it, so there is a consequence for resisting. So those who resist the power of God are resisting the ordinance of God. And then Paul says this in verse 3. He says, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. So rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. In other words, authority in any area is not frightening to people who have the right motives and have good conduct. Folks, listen, there are things that happen in our government that makes me cringe. But I don't live in fear of everything that they do. And I don't live with the idea that says, listen, this is really going to affect me in a bad way. If, if they change the penalty, I'm going to give you a crude example. If they change the penalty for taking the life of someone else, that now you automatically get the death penalty. That doesn't change me at all. Why? Because I don't intend to kill anyone. Does that make sense? You say, well, now they're making this punishment much harsher. That's not a terror to me. That's Okay. So if my intent is to break the law, then that's when the government becomes a terror to me. When my motive is something different than just being a good citizen living according to the word of God. See, motive and conduct matter. Why am I so against the government? Why am I so against authority? And again, not just civil authority. 
Why am I against the authority structure in my church? Why am I against the authority structure in my home? Why am I against the authority? Because people who are typically against authority are not just against authority in one area. They're against authority in every area of their life. They're the employee that nobody wants. And by the way, what a testimony, what a sad testimony it is when the worst employee at your job is a believer. They rebel against everything. Well, that boss makes me do everything. That boss is always on me. Listen, government is not a terror to people who are intending to do good and live right. Authority is only hated and resisted by those whose works are evil. Why would you dread or fear those in authority if you do what's right? You say, but what if they do this? What about the, what about the believers in China today? Why you're harping about how bad you have it in this country. You have no idea what you're talking about. Literally being told, show up at your church this morning and if we find you, we're going to execute you all. Guess what? That's, a re- that's an ordinance to be resisted because that is violating the principle of coming together and being together in God's house. You know what would happen in this country if that order goes down? Most churches would be just content. Fine, I'm just going to stay home. You know why? Because we don't love the Lord like that. We're so caught up in worrying about whether or not our government, what the next step's going to do, what the next president's going to do, what the Congress is going to do, what the Senate's going to do. We're so worried about that. And as citizens, you should be. I'm not telling you to disconnect from society. But listen, if your fear is over that, instead of saying, listen, am I living in the fear of the Lord? Listen, there are people that would just as soon skip the assembly of the church, but they would never miss their opportunity to vote in an election. Talk about your priorities being messed up. You want to do both. But we live in a world that's got everything backwards. We think, listen, if we can just, if we can just Christianize everything, if we can just get the right person on Pennsylvania Avenue. And by the way, you see what happens You think you get what you want, but then they turn around and they're not exactly what you thought they were going to be. And the same Christians who were saying, here's our Savior saying, oh, we don't want anything to do with that now. That's what happens when you put your faith and trust and hope in man. Why? Because they're human. And I love how we can as believers will sit and say, listen, I tell you, if I was president, yeah, I'm sure it'd be a whole lot better. Because you would take a stand for everything and you would Christianize our society. I doubt it. The reality is here, this personal responsibility that you and I have. This idea that, listen, is the government a terror to you? Rulers are not a terror to those who desire to do well and to obey. Rulers are only a terror to those whose conduct desires to do evil. You study your history books about Nero. Even Nero, as wicked as that man was, respected those who obeyed the law. One of the problem is the believers in that day and age were not even obeying the basic laws of society that had nothing to do with violating the law of God. I can't pay my taxes in good conscience. That's not according to God's conscience. That's just because you don't like it. 
The reason Nero persecuted Christians, and again, he's not right in the, in the actions he carried out, but it was reported that they were opposed to existing institutions. So why be afraid of authority if your desire is to walk in obedience to the law? It doesn't fear. I don't fear what the government does if I'm walking in obedience. Because why? Because the Bible tells us if you resist authority, you're resisting the ordinance of God. So rulers are not a terror to good works. Wilt thou not then be afraid of the power? What he means by this, are you not afraid of the power that I've given to those who are in power? He's going to talk about even giving them the ability and the office of taking a life if it need be. Now, again, this, this morning's not going to be about are you for or against capital punishment? But do you realize that biblically speaking, God puts that in the power of the government to determine those parameters? I will tell you, and if you have not done any study of this, I would suggest you don't think about it and even suggest an, an explanation. But the main goal of the Chinese Christian this morning, listen to me carefully, is not the overthrow of the communist government. But, but you are not going to stop them from worshiping God. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? You see, your whole mentality can get so messed up that you can get off fight and say, I'm going to fight against this and I'm going to overthrow this. How much do you love the Lord God? Is the fear of the Lord your greatest motivator? This is what Paul's getting at. Again, this church knew nothing about separation of church and state. <laughs> they knew nothing about taking prayer out of schools. They knew, they knew nothing about taking the Ten Commandments off of certain government buildings. They knew nothing about removing statues of heroes. People will throw a fit over a hero statue being removed like it was some kind of God. They'll go and fight for that statue to be put back in place of that human. But they won't fight they won't fight for their local church. They, they won't say, listen, our whole desire is to glorify God. You see, there's something wrong in our mentality when we become, when we become people who are just about resistance. And again, you say, what about people who resisted in the past? It doesn't mean they were right or wrong. What it means is, were they obeying what God, because who we're going to give an account to is God. Ultimately, every single individual is going to give an account to God. You're not going to give an account to me. I'm not going to give an account to you. But I am going to one day stand before God, and he's not going to say, okay, that big resistance of people that you created. No, I'm going to stand one-on-one -on -one with God, and I'm going to give an account for my life. You know, that kind of preaching's left a lot of our pulpits. It's misunderstanding of grace. It says, listen, thank God I'm in God. I'm in grace. I don't have to worry about anything. Listen, you're still going to give an account for your life. There still is a judgment seat, not about your salvation, but there is a judgment seat. We're all going to give an account for our actions and our motives and our attitudes. 
See, we want the blessings of God. We want all the things he gives us. We want to live a peaceable life, but we don't want to believe the promises that said, listen, there's coming a day when the world's going to hate you. There's coming a day when it's going to appear as if the government maybe even hates you. Then when Paul said this, he said, well, then be afraid of the power. Do that which is good. That's about as simple as you can put it. And thou shalt have praise of the same. The same what? Obey the law, and even the government's going to praise you for the obedience to it. The, the people who are in authority typically are not going to go after you if you're living a quiet, peaceable life. You realize I don't do anything in my neighborhood across the street that I worry about the police showing up and breaking up my my rebellion that I'm having on the street. I'm not going to hold a block party and say, listen, let's overthrow the government this week. And then say, listen, this is my amendment rights I have. What if I decide to have a prayer meeting, a, a, a neighborhood prayer meeting? Yeah, they may try to come and break that up. That's a violation of God. They can't break that up. But you understand what I'm saying? We're fighting for the wrong things. We're so worried about the things that are wrong, we're not even considering, am I living right? Am I living a life that is pleasing to God? That's why this is an individual. You know, it's so easy to say, listen, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this message. No, be thankful that you and I are both hearing it. Because we need to be challenged in this. Then this must have... This must have rattled the cages of every hearer. What he says in verse 4. For he, that's the power, is the minister of God to thee for good. So listen, that, that, that man is far from a preacher. He's far from a pastor. That's not what the context means. You see, these, he is a minister of God to thee for good. You see, persons in place of authority, whoever they are, are the servants of God, whether they want to be or not, for the general welfare of all people. Somehow, again, this is probably going to be a controversial statement, somehow we've gotten the idea that if people are in sin, they don't have any rights or right to good welfare anymore. In other words, we say your sin means you should get nothing good. Folks, do you realize what you're saying? You say, but look at the wickedness. Look at the sin. Look at the outward in the face of believers that's going on. Listen, the government is there. The minister of God is there for the general welfare of all people. You want to claim rights as a U.S. citizen, then the people who are U.S. citizens still have a right, even if they're not living in accordance with biblical standards for the general welfare. You say, not if they're, not if they're atheists. Show me scripture verse where you have that right. Remember, I've told you this. God even allows, maybe not this year, <laughs> farmers, some farmers can't even get in the fields. Some, I read, it's too late. They're, they're past time. But there have been years where some of the greatest crops have come out of the atheist field. To say that God does not in a general way even pour out blessings upon those who are against him, but yet we want to separate that and we say, listen, you don't have a right to the same rights that I do because you have this wicked sin that you're living in. 
But it's the same right you claim every single day. So the only assumption I can make is that you're not, you have no sin. So you have no unrepented sin. So you have the right to the, all the general welfare, but they don't because their sin is outward and known to everybody. Here's the problem. The only sin that matters is the sin God sees. And God sees all of it. God sees your rebellious heart. God sees your resisting authority. God sees your lack of honor and respect to those who are in authority over you. Oh, that's not real sin. That's not sin. That's not outward sin. Oh, it may not be outward, but God sees it as sin. See, nobody wants to talk about, are you living in obedience to Romans 13? We want to talk about, do you read your Bible enough? Do you pray enough? Do you soul win enough? Do you witness to people? Do you preach the gospel enough? But then you get to passages like this, and it's not one of those passages that conveniently gets jumped over because people know this is a major struggle. It's a struggle not just for others. It's a struggle for all of us. What chaos would there be? I've heard people say this. Let's just go back to the way it was in the Old West. That's a grand idea. You had absolute chaos ruling. People say, listen, we should be allowed to make our own decisions, and our own choices. Yeah, God gave you the power to do that. And you would make the wrong choices. Not me. I walk with God. I am spiritual. I am holy. I am. The problem is God didn't say I want you to govern. Now, if God places you in authority of government, you better do it according to God's way. But understand something. Can you imagine what chaos would be is if there is a breakdown of God's structure of government? You know what's happened? Every time God's governmental structure has been violated, conflict broke out. War broke out. It's not whether or not you agree with war or not. You know what war is? It's a result of, an, it's a, result of a rebellion of some sort. And again, that rebellion, again, this is not positive or negative. This is just to show you the reality that government is there and it should not be a terror to those who desire to keep the law. Listen, if we're not willing to submit to God's order and God's chain of command, we're not willing to submit to the authority figures in our lives, and that's all been designated, ordained by God, then what he does as a result of wrath or judgment, really we have no room to complain. He's a minister of God for thee to good. After all, that ruler is a minister. His intent is to do for the good of all people. But notice what he says. But if thou do that which is evil, now he's not talking about the minister of God. He's talking about the, 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 the person who disregards this. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. Listen, if, 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 if you go out and murder somebody, you should be very afraid. You should be afraid of the power that's been given. You should, have, you should be in all of that power. For he beareth, look what it says, not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Remember I told you the purpose of government is to restrain evil. I mean, you think about it for a moment. You think about the problems in society are because we're not following the letter of the law or we're not following documents that were established years and years ago. No, the problem is the same as it's always been. 
man is in rebellion against authority. The institution of government is a institution that is given. It's a, it's a, it's a gift of mercy. And you say, what in the world does that mean? God gives government as an instrument to display his mercy. Every one of you, as a result of a governmental law, whether you agree with this or not, really is irrelevant because it's true all the way to the core. As a result of a society law has been protected from something. Every one of you. Now, you may say, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. You may. But the person that says this, and there are people all over this country, and matter of fact, there's been a lot of celebrities over the last year that said they were going to leave if certain things happened. The problem is they're still here. They won't leave. Why? Why? If it's so bad, why do you stay? You see, because there's something in that. There's something in the reality that the, the, the law is a demonstration of the mercy of God, that he has given us something. He's trying to restrain what evil man could think up. It's mercy. It's mercy that there are laws in place. And I know it looks like it, the water's getting muddy. And every day there's a new piece of legislation that comes out. And we, folks, we're appalled when we see things about the abortion laws. We as a church, we're, we're not ashamed to take that stand. Abortion is murder. It's wrong. It's against, it's a violation of God. But you understand that all of those things, all of those things, is a, it's a demonstration that sometimes man his depravity does rise to the surface. And even in that regard, we still have to ask ourselves the question, as a citizen, am I living according to what God's standard is for me? The world ever since the fall, if we need to, if we need to give a period of time, but ever since the fall, when man rejected God's authority over him. I mean, think about this, how simple this was. God gave Adam and Eve one command to follow, and they couldn't even keep one. We see that man is in such a state of corruption and depravity that if there was not an obstacle, if there was not a demonstration of mercy as a civil government, every selfish and malignant passion of men would run rampant. You say, I think it already is. You speak out of ignorance. There's two things going on in this world. The restraint of the Holy Spirit and the restraint of government. When those two things are gone and the day's coming when those two things will be gone, that's when you actually will see the full depravity of man and corruption on display. See, we don't realize what the Holy Spirit alone is doing to restrain we don't understand that it's not just even the government. It's the restraint of the Holy Spirit. So those of us that are out there saying, listen, if we could just, just revolt against the modern establishment, there has never been a generation in history who didn't have the same thought. People say, I don't ever remember people being so hated, hate, have such a hatred for government. It's always been there. It goes all the way back to the Adam and Eve in the garden. 
I don't want God telling me what to do. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. We would be better off. We would be better off, and we would, without government, we'd be better off to just live as animals in the forest without God's demonstration of mercy with government. Again, Paul writes nothing about perfect government. Paul writes nothing about politics. To resist what God has established is to resist God himself, and it only demonstrates the depravity to this day that remains. There's an old commentator. His last name is Haldane. Haldane, I don't agree with everything, but he says this about this text. He says, as soon as restraints of government are removed, man shows himself in his real character. You'll see a man's real character when you remove it. The question today is, what's your attitude? What's your attitude toward authority in which God has established? Our responsibility today is not what, what are other people doing with Romans 13? But rather, we should ask ourselves the question, am I personally subject to the ordained power of God? Do I honor and respect those in authority over me, including my government? And am I personally obeying Romans 13 or am I resisting and am I in rebellion? You know what makes me madder than a hornet? When someone tells me I'm in rebellion. Still to this day, if you really want to get me angry, that's it. That's, maybe that's my flesh. That's what will get, because we don't like the sound of it. Not me. I couldn't possibly be in rebellion. But the reality is, what do things like this do to us? What do they make us think? What do we think about? I mean, do we, do we believe God? This really comes down to, do I believe God? If God ordained it, God set it up, God's given the commands, God's given the word, there really is no place for us to argue. And again, man is going to do what man thinks is right in his own eyes, and every man is going to give an account personally for what he did. Folks, that scares me more than anything. You understand what the fear is? I have the greatest fear is not what the government's going to do next week. My greatest fear is when I stand before God and I have to give an account for my life. Did I live according to the standards of the Bible? Now, you can take that and you can agree with it, you can disagree with it. That's my greatest fear. Personal accountability. It's always easy to say, listen, they're going to pay for all that. Listen, those doctors that perform those horrible things, they're going to pay for that. Listen, I know what the Bible says. But I also know that I'm going to give an account, not just in the future, but I can expect that if I'm in rebellion against even principles like this, I should not be surprised if I bring the wrath and judgment of God upon myself. Oh, I'm not going to lose my salvation. But I shouldn't be surprised. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Next week, we'll deal with verses five through seven. And Paul's gonna give a very direct command, very simply, wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. In other words, Paul adds another level to this. 
Don't just be afraid of what the government can do or the civil authority can do, but remember your conscience. And that's going to be very important. Let's stand and we'll be dismissed in prayer.